What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. I have a special guest on because as when this show comes out, I'll be out of town. So this will replace the normal air quotes Monday show. Um, I work with this young lady. She is uh, we've just actually actually we just got started to get to know each other. I think in like the last few months, but I think we worked together for almost a year now. Um, she goes by Cobra. Uh, we, I've had Terry from I think it's the Bronx. No, Long Island. Emailed me a while ago and asked me to do a review of Players Club. So, first of all, let's bring Cobra on. How you doing, Cobra? I'm good. How are you? I'm 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 actually exuberant. Eddie texted me earlier, and he's the DJ uh, I work with sometimes. He's like, "How are you doing?" I said, "Man, I'm exuberant." So I will not. I'm gonna keep that going. I am exuberant. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so Terry from Long Island hit me up and said, "Hey, we should do." Uh, Review of Players Club. I love that movie. So this movie is pretty old. I, I want to say it was in the '90s. Um, I was really young when this movie came out, and I didn't really. I just knew Ice Cube was a part of it, and Ice Cube was one of my favorite rappers. So anything he was in, I was gonna watch. I didn't realize it was a drama, <laughs> um, and it was. It's a very dramatic movie. It's it's about the darker side of strip clubs, and how you can get sucked into uh, too much of the party, and so. The one thing I've noticed, because I've worked in enough customer service jobs as far as restaurants and bars and stuff to know, is I remember uh, I had a um, I had a bartender who mentored me. He told me he was always he, oh he was a very much a mentor to me. He told me, hey, hey, don't get a big head when I say this, but you have to see yourself when you're in this industry and you're good at what you do, whether it's a bar industry, server, strip club, you're you're like a minor rock star. Like, you know, even if you don't do drugs, you know where to get the drugs from. You had the liquor right next to you. People will give you whatever you want because they think you're cool and they just want to hang out with you. And I thought, I thought that was kind of egotistical for him to say, but this guy was pretty egotistical, so I didn't think anything about it. But the longer I worked in the industry, I was like, man, this is kind of like, the, like I, anyone who's worked with me for a number of years knows I don't drink and I don't smoke. But every day that I went to work, I would get off for drink and smoke and, and other things. So... Pretty much, I didn't realize how much of a drama it was. And for me, the movie still holds up only because this lifestyle, for me, in my opinion, is something that's going to never go out of style. I know some people feel like this is a dying industry. It, only so many guys can buy OnlyFans before they say, I need to go out and touch something. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, for as good as OnlyFans can be, as convenient as it was when we first went into quarantine... It's just not going to be a thing. So anyways, I wanted to, to bring Cobra in because she has a very interesting story. First of all, how did you get into dancing? Mm. Well, um, I grew up dancing, doing classical, like ballet, tap, jazz, all of that kind of stuff. And um, I started dancing when I was two. I've always been attracted to music and rhythm and trying to express myself through that. Um, art form, but um, I started dancing in India, and um, I traveled there to live and work in a crisis center, and I got kind of distracted because I needed to make money and live, <laughs> um, so I, I started, um, I guess I got into it because of Facebook, 
And uh, the way that you find housing in India, if you're a foreigner, is through like Facebook ads. So I was looking for housing and um, this sort of pimp-ish type of guy. (laughs) 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 Um, He he, um, would like kind of scout these pages for attractive foreigners. And um, he offered me to work as a, a bartender for some hotel thing with a, a bunch of Bulgarian, Polish, and Russian girls. And me being poor was like, yeah, I'm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I kind of worked with these Bulgarians for a couple months. Um, and we would like make the party be the life of the party. Um, and I was an escort, but completely non-sexual. And we would be like the arm candy for wealthy Indian guys at their weddings and like business events and stuff to impress all of their friends. Mm. And then um, I started getting into this group of Russians who were freelancing doing this type of work. Um, everything was illegal. But we all kind of had our own like little rings of um, there'd be like an Indian guy who would have like a ring of girls who would work for him at the events that he would hook us up to. And I saw these girls dancing um, at weddings in like giant martini glasses and belly dancing. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And I'm better at it because they hire girls who don't know how to dance just because they're white. Mm. So I was like, okay, I want in. That's more money. I don't get harassed by people. I have bodyguards and I get to go back and like eat all I want for free. So I decided to do that. And then it migrated over to doing um, exotic dancing for private corporate parties and bachelor parties. And, um, those are more like hush hush down low sketchy, but um, that's kind of how I got into the the whole industry. So a lot taken right there. First of all, if you went overseas to be a part of like a rescue type of thing or um, <laughs> FEMA type of thing, were they not paying you? Yeah. So basically, I went over there with the intention of doing that. I got caught up in life and trying to make money. Okay. Um, I started doing work with the crisis centers I wanted to work for later on. Um, but I was, um, making a hundred dollars a month. Mm. So that is like, not, you can't live on that. No, no, (laughs) No, that makes sense. So so yeah, that's where I was kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Cause I thought it kind of went from, Hey, I'm doing this. It's all right. I need to put some pep in my life to that, but no, it makes sense. Um, because actually, it's, yeah. it's actually kind of a weird way I got into the industry as well. So when I lived in Atlanta, um, I was living in College Park, and I would go out every day, and I took the bus every day. Sometimes I use my aunt's car, and I had this next door neighbor, and she always, she was very pretty. She, you could see her getting dressed or whatever, and she was like, and, and one day she sees me getting in the car, and she's like, uh. Hey, uh, Remy, come here. I was like, what's up? She's like, can you drive me to work? But I need you to stay all night. I was like, well, this is my aunt's car. Let me see if I can do that. You know, at the time, I was very new to driving. So 
Um, I just didn't want to keep her car all night and whatever. So my aunt said, my aunt, she's my mom. So she said, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so I drove her to Strokers, a club in in, uh, in uh, freaking Atlanta, on the outskirts. And so she had me at Southside all night. I mean, well, I mean, all night. You you worked. We both worked the long hours. It's it wasn't like I sat there and was like had something to do. I didn't even have a good cell phone at the time. And so uh-huh. I did that for like two weeks. And finally, she finally she just invited me in, and and she was like, hey. But she was very much a mentor. She was a mentor to me. She is a mentor to me. We still talk to this day. She said, hey, I'm going to bring you in, but you don't talk. Don't say anything. Don't look. Don't stare. Nothing. And she actually got me my foot, my first foot in the door. And she actually taught me. I remember the first time I actually was hitting on a dancer. She actually pulled me to the locker room and smacked me in my face and was like, hey, you keep your, you keep your dick in your pants. <laughs> and I was like, all right. You know, and. And I, the reason why I never fought back is I had someone ask, I told the story to like maybe two people and they said why didn't you why didn't you smack that bitch I said no it's like I understood what she was doing from like I, I want to say like from maybe not from the first day but from maybe the first week when she wouldn't let me come and even use the bathroom I was like what's going on like she I, I she just knew she had, she had gotten to know me a little bit before that first time so um, then that's what that happened so I think it's, it's funny how I want to hear different people's stories about how they get into it. Um, is very interesting because and you said something key in that like what i've noticed is there are some dancers who are dancers who can actually freaking dance they do tricks they have fire all this other stuff and it's mm-hmm. like did you ever have the experience in india where like that really benefits your you money wise or did it always just even out oh yeah um i think having the skills because i was actually trained in belly dance before I even arrived in India. Um, and they really liked that they style of dance. That, yeah. Um, most of the other stuff I wasn't trained in and I had to learn along the way, but in India, they really value dancing. So if you are just standing there kind of naked, looking like you hate your life, <laughs> they think you're terrible at <laughs> dancing. And right. part of Bollywood and India, they're very expressive in their faces. So if you're dancing and you can pay attention to how they do their dancing, you have to use a lot of hand motions and like smiling and like singing the words with your face and like look like you're alive. So if you don't enjoy it and you are looking like you're dead in the face, that's not going to make you any money. Mm. So you... They won't even look at your body. They'll just be like, you're terrible at this. Interesting. <laughs> that, that's funny and that's very interesting. So, and your t- and how long did you stay in India for? Two years. What made you come back to the States? Um, I fell in love with somebody who wasn't a citizen here. And so I came back for him. And it obviously didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's okay. Sometimes it's how that happens. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of figured it was a love story. Um, so when you got here, was Colorado the first place you came, or would you, did you go somewhere else and then then come to Colorado? Um, no, I came back to Colorado because my family's from here, okay. and uh, he was living here, and I decided to go back into the social work side of my life for. I think I took five years off dancing Okay. and did the whole career thing mm-hmm. and was really poor. 
Um, <laughs> I love how you keep using that word. Week. I love how you keep using that word poor. It's, it's, it's funny to me. I don't know why. It shouldn't be, but it is. No, it's just, I, I mean, I was working 80 hours a week, making like 35000 a a year mm. in Denver. We all know, at least we know, you can't survive on that in Denver. You can't. And um, I think my rent, when I, st- when I came back, it was about $500 for a studio. That um, escalated in the matter of like a year and a half or a year or two years to 1,100 for a 250 square foot studio. Yeah. Like no, that makes sense. So so yeah. So and and that I do I do think obviously the money is attractive. The most obviously the most attractive thing in the industry. Um, I do think the freedom can be attractive as well as far as just uh, the schedule you can keep and all and all that good stuff. So when you decided to come back into the industry, because my story was when I left Atlanta, I came out to Denver for my air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. Dream job. Spoiler alert, that wasn't actually a dream. It, was, it didn't work out. Uh, yeah. And, and so I never thought I was going to come back in the industry. Not because I, I actually didn't get burned at all in, in Atlanta. Um, it was uh, just, hey, just I got this opportunity. I need to take it. Boom. And I came out here. And the only reason I came back in the industry because it was too expensive and I was working and I was being, air quotes, poor. And so I got back in the industry. And for me, and we've talked about this in private, but I want to say this on air. For me, it's still sometimes a shell shock um the difference in the culture of colorado strip clubs and the other areas of the country because i worked in atlanta i worked in uh uh, miami the the culture here is so different and it's still it's funny because i worked in this industry now in colorado for three years four years it still confuses me i remember we had conversations about that every now and then so what was the hardest transition for you from india to colorado or the states oh man um everything i mean i'm older now so my body doesn't work the same way it used to (laughs) but also just the style of dancing um is completely different in india they don't have poles so i had to learn pole tricks here like on the job Mm. um they would make like fake poles in india um because they would see like a music video or something and they build a pole, but if you touch it, it falls over. So <laughs> it's not safe. <laughs> okay, all right. They're like, look, a pole! And they don't know what pole dancing is. So you just touch it and, like, walk around it. Um, and here, it's just a completely different style of dance. Um, the hustle is different. Um, in India, it's a lot easier. Everybody is kind of like trapped and captive. If you get hired for stripping, it's like a corporate event or a private event. So everybody is there mm. to enjoy. Um, and they're already they already paid for you. So everything extra you earn is like extra. Interesting. Um, so you don't have to go hunting like you do here. You have to like hunt for your money. Mm, yeah. Um, so that was a lot to get used to. Um, I'm not the most aggressive person in normal life. So (laughs) it's a little (laughs) bit more challenging for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so let me ask you this question. This is something I really find it because I actually, 
and this is even different in the states that I've noticed too. Did you ever get rejected in India? As far as did you ever approach a guy and this guy just has, you know, he has money, and you just kind of like, well, he's been staring at me all night. You know, let me just go see if I can get a little bit more out of him. And you go up to the guy, and the guy says, no, thank you. Um, I don't want to see you. Have you ever? Has that ever happened in India? Never. Interesting. Also, they have this colonial, disgusting obsession with white skin. So, um, so do I. Don't something... judge us. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that's left over that's really sad, but I was basically prostituting my skin. Um, mm. And they wouldn't hire Indian girls and they wouldn't hire um, black girls, even though they were better dancers than me. They'd hire white girls, Russian girls, and I'm very, very white. So they were, they really liked my, how you can see my veins through my skin and all of that weirdness. Well, I I would assume, though, you guys are delicacies over there. That's why they didn't want, if they want something brown or black, they can get that at home, you know? Um, So I I could could definitely see that. Because, see, I remember I had a customer, a, a VIP, um from this club that's a sister club that me and that, because her and I used to work in the same club, now we work in different clubs. And um, and and where we stay at in Denver, it's like six or seven clubs that are connected, just to give the background to the audience. Well, I remember one time a VIP came from one of our higher-end clubs, and we were talking, and the one thing I noticed is that he always danced with black women. And so he always, would talk, he always spoke to me, always was a gentleman or whatever. And I very rarely asked questions, just because sometimes... No, just because I know the club I used to work at with Cobra was the club that you could let your hair down and be yourself. I've danced track for guys who have literally taken their clothes off and put the dancers' clothes on, and that's all they want to do for ten minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I've been in, I, I've been there when dudes are just being beat and they're being beaten down. Like, well, I mean, beat. There's there's belts, there's sticks, there's everything. That's all they yeah. want. This guy said the most interesting thing to me that I've ever heard a white person say to me in my life. Uh, this dude's a millionaire. A, a millionaire. I know you've seen him, but I, I'll tell you who he is off of here. Um, and so I say, bro, let me ask you a question. Like, I see you with black women all the time. I was like, do you ever think, is your wife black? He was like, no. He's like, I'm divorced. He was like, you got to understand, I'm old, dude. First of all, I didn't know he the age he was. He's like 78 years old. He was like, I'm old, man. When I was coming up, I couldn't hang around black people. He was like, I could, he said, I didn't really start talking to black people until I got to college. And even then I was shamed for it. And as I've gotten older, a lot of my friends are still against it. So that's why I come here because they're there at that club. They don't want to come over here, but I've always loved black people. Like I love, this is his exact quote. I love salt in my food. (laughs) And I was like, I knew he wasn't joking. I knew he was being serious, but. That hit me in a, a different way, so I could definitely see why they would they would. And I, I, you said a very interesting term. I was prostituting my my like the color of my skin. That's a very deep line, and I think a lot of times in in the industry we've worked in, you have to kind of sell yourself that way. Yeah. You know, you have to know how to sell yourself because I've sat I've sat there with uh, one of our mutual friends, acquaintances, whatever, and. I've, I've watched you and like you do spend a lot of time with guests. You remind me, you remind, you remind me of this one dancer that we had before COVID and she retired after before when COVID hit. Um, she would spend so, she was a super gorgeous white chick, 
huge ass. You you would lose IQ points looking at this woman's ass. And (laughs) so she would spend so much time with the guy. She didn't, she, she never knew, or she never had the proper timer in her head to go off to leave. Right. And it wasn't like she even thought, because I spoke to her tons and it wasn't like she was thinking, Hey, I spent this much time. I'm going to get some, she was just enjoying conversation, enjoying life. And I said to her one day, I said, look here, sweetheart, I'm going to tell you something. You're, you're white. You're beautiful. You have a huge butt. You need to really be going before black guys and Indian guys and Mexican guys. She was like, they don't like me. I said, that's bullshit. As I, I, and in that night, she had, <laughs> she danced with so many different uh, cultures that she was always targeting white guys because she always thought, because her growing up in Colorado, she, uh-huh. she wasn't really around black guys. Uh-huh. I was like, black guys love white women that look, at you, look like you. So I, we all have to come up with a different hustle. And yeah, I can see that. that make, see, I just, that's interesting because I guess that makes sense. If you're at a corporate event, there's nothing to turn down. You've already paid for it. So you might as well just uh-huh. collect your goodies here. Yeah, it's different. And I would say the hustle from, for a guy out here is different, too, because I was used to being paid like 25, 30 bucks an hour to, to be a bouncer because they know you're risking your life every day. Here, it's a minimum wage, and they really want the dancers to pay everybody. Uh-huh. And I, that's, that's always been weird to me. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the difference here, too, which you've touched on this also, is um, strip clubs in the U.S. are a lot of times a, a safe place for uh, customers to explore what they're not allowed to or never were mm-hmm. supposed to right. enjoy. So I have a person also who wants me to do like BDSM ball stomping type of stuff. And he doesn't know where to find that in normal life. Mm. Um, Isn't there groups for that shit though? Huh? Isn't there groups for that type of stuff, though? I told him. I was like, here are the professionals. I'm not a professional. I'm just a dancer. If I hurt you, like, I don't want to be liable. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do what you want, but you got to sign something. I don't know. (laughs) But um, that, as well as um, people who are on the spectrum, um, people who have disabilities, there's a lot of of sex work that happens that is... um, I guess holding space for people who are kind of on the fringes and don't know how to have um, conversations with women mm. or feel too shy or have social awkwardness. And I think that's a really amazing part of this job is being able to provide that service to people. Um, I do really like that part. And that's why I spend time with people. It's so funny you said that. Speaking of that same dancer I was just telling you about, you do you know how many times I've been upstairs counting dances and I've had grown men to kids walk up to me and say, hey, I want to dance with her. And I'm like, okay, what you want me to do? Suck your dick first? Like, like, how do you want this to work? And they'll be like, no, how do I talk to her? And I'd be like, oh, I'm not the one to ask. I'm too direct. So I would just walk up to the dancer. I'll grab him by the wrist. I'll walk yep. up to the dancer and be like, hey, this guy wants to dance with you. And I'll yeah. look at the guy and say, hey, give her your money and be respectful. Uh-huh. And it's, you're right. Like that. That's happened so many times. And I never, me personally, I've never, the thoughts never come across my mind. This, makes me, this may make me sound like a terrible human being. If you're trying to give someone money, I never thought they would turn you down for a conversation, at least, <laughs> you know, but yeah. you're right. Some, a lot of people don't know how to talk. And I will say this. 
the reason why Indian guys out here, in my opinion, they've been uh, you you were in the culture for a couple of years. Um, you know, only reason I even know about any of this is because um, I used to date an Indian woman, and there's so many Indian guys that don't know how to speak for themselves. They mm-hmm. they go through their mom, their dad. They're supposed to be hooked up, air quotes again, and yeah. then they get to the strip club, and then they're with that they're one that with that one that one heckler in their group that's encouraging them to do some stuff that they're like, I'm not comfortable doing this, or I am comfortable doing this, you know, or just whatever. Um, yeah. That that is interesting. You said that. I, I completely forgot about the aspect of it. Maybe because I thought yeah. always thought it was weird. A lot of Indian men. So I I excel with Indian men because I can tell that they're Indian. Um, and most people think they're Mexican here. Do they really? <laughs> they really do. Oh, um, it's kind of racist, but okay. I know, it is, um, <laughs> at our club at least. And then right. um, they don't know how to approach a stage. Like I have, I've got groups of Indians, usually like three or four at a time. And um, they come in with their group and they're just staring at everything, but they don't know what to do. Mm. And they ask me questions like, so how does this work? Like, do I go up to the stage? I don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, what what do I do? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I think they're, they're, it's not in their culture to do that. Mm. They might be aggressive in, like, a private dance. Yeah, they, they, they definitely don't are. don't know how to initiate it. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. Dude, like, they go from zero to 2,000 fast. <laughs> Like, I can't tell you how many Indian guys I've had to kick out because I've just seen them and I'm like, oh, you're going to do bad things back there, dude. I oh, just, no. <laughs> I, I, I just see it and it's like, oh, sweet baby Jesus. Like, don't, I, I, the one, my one line I always said, I, I, I'm glad I don't have to say it anymore, is don't make me be the bad guy. Because I, cause when I get angry, I, I, I go overboard and they always push it. Between the black guys, between the Indian guys and the Mexican guys, it was always so much drama out here. And to me, that that always like I get every city is a such a different culture. And pe- the thing people don't realize about Colorado, and in my opinion, you have to be out here for a week or two to notice it. It's a very laid back culture, and I just don't think you can. Really, I don't think you can be me personally. What I learned as a bouncer is you can't be as aggressive. You have to take your time and, and kind of observe things. Like, I was lucky, slash kind of screwed over, that I got my chops on morning shift. So when I got moved tonight and got promoted, it was one of those situations where it was just kind of like, huh, okay, I, I know what to look for now. So with me saying that, have you gotten down your... with? Have you gotten down your, like, all right, I can't really trust this guy. I don't want to go back and do a dance with him. This guy seems cool. Have you gotten your radar down yet? Um, yes. I'm trying to... I feel like I'm, I'm still in the process of trying to figure out boundaries and trying to hold my own boundaries strong. Um, because I think there's a power dynamic that changes with me and normal life. It's interesting because I'm um, I'm asexual and I avoid attention. First of all, stop, stop. Men or anybody. Stop. Can you explain in what asexual normal is? Normal life and when people come up to me, I like avoid. I go somewhere else. 
Cobra. I shut them down so fast. Cobra, do, stop for a second. Explain to my group, my crowd, what asexual is. I, um, it's a sexual orientation that you don't have desire for sex and you don't feel sexual attraction to people. Okay. Because I didn't know what that meant. Like, last year in 2021, I heard so many different new terms to me. I got so mad one night when, um, I can't say, I won't say her name. When a certain dancer walked up. She said I was polyamorous or something, right? I looked mm-hmm. at her. I was like, I don't care if you're a polymorph from Power Rangers or not. Get your ass in the fucking dance room, right? Because <laughs> by the time I heard like 10 different <laughs> slang terms of what people were calling themselves, and I was like, what? I don't care what you are. Like, this is not what this yeah. is not a debate, right? So, like, I didn't yeah. know what it was. I, I didn't know what any of this stuff was. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of words now. And, you know, it's been around for a while, this, but it explains, it's helped me explain why, how I've been my entire life. Mm. And I've felt this way my whole life. I've only been attracted to four people ever. Um, and I don't, which it's great because I don't seek out sex. It doesn't distract me from my job. What's happening in my brain when I'm dancing is completely opposite of whatever the person enjoying my dancing is thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, and that's fair. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting when I've heard, um, to me, one of the best aspects of listening to some of the dancers talk to me when I decide to listen to people is hearing different dancers' perspectives. There was this one dancer who was a terrible... Like she was a former morning dancer. She worked at the club before COVID. Then she ended up moving back to France, where she's from. She told me straight up, like... I was like, dang. Like, she went from... Like, I remember one Friday morning I'm working with her. This chick did, like, 50 dances by herself, right? I'm like, man, she's killing it. The next Friday, she was like, she she was drunk, she was sloppy, it was just terrible, right? So when she sobered up, I said, "Hey, what's your deal today?" She's like, "I'm not horny." I said, "What the fuck does that do with anything?" She was like, "No, I can't, I can't be here if I'm not horny." I was like, "Really?" And oh boy, did she prove that <laughs> that through true? Wow! Like she. That's funny. I never am. So that's interesting. Yeah. Whenever... <laughs> Exactly. Whenever she wasn't on her game and she would just get drunk, it's because she was trying to get herself, you know, excited. She was trying to get herself horny or whatever, but it just wasn't come through. So what she st- so she actually stopped coming to work unless she was horny. So I would I went from seeing her maybe three four days a week to maybe seeing her twice a month. Yeah. And she was like, I just can't do it if I'm not horny. I said, I just didn't. I, I've heard so many stories about how dancers need to do this and what works for them. I'm like, man, that's crazy, you know. And and on the other side, yeah. it's funny because I can't be horny when I'm there because I, I especially like going from certain clubs in Atlanta, Florida, where certain things are allowed to being here. And the gimmick in Colorado is nudity. It just is, it is, it is what it is. Like people come out to see vagina in their face. And okay. so for me, that's not attractive to me. Like I remember, I mean, this one regular got into a heavy debate, and it was like just a debate, but it was a it was a fun debate. He's like, I don't get how you could be around all day and just not be horny. I said, Why would I be? First of all, these women are talking to me. That's stop. That's annoying as it is. Then next thing you know, like the, the, everything's in the face. Like this, like there's just nothing. You're yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is terrible for my personal life. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, I, I am. And I'm kind of just like. I'm here for money. I'm here to make sure they're safe. But like, mm-hmm. also for me, I still get weirded out. I get very weirded out. 
when I was dance counting, I still I still do dance count, but whenever I just see like a woman that's that vulnerable with her stuff out, I don't think it's my right to just look anyway and just be like, oh man, her her stuff looks good today. It's nice and shaved. You know, it's like it's just it's weird to me, and I feel very uncomfortable. I I still don't like walking in that freaking locker room. And 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 the, and the level of comfort that a lot of dancers have, especially once they get to like you, it's like, oh, just sit here while I'm getting dressed and I'm butterball naked. It's like, yes, that's not what I want to do right now. I want to go home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's one of those things where it's just funny how the, every city has its own gimmicks, and Colorado is nudity, for my in my opinion. And so, it's just one of those things where how did that affect you, or has it affected naked? you? Yeah. Um, I go to Burning Man. So my whole world from my whole 20s has been non-sexual nudity. Tell people Burning Man um, is. I've seen all of my friends' parts. I And everybody is free. It's like a nudist colony situation. Mm. And it just becomes mm. like not sexual. Like at Burning Man, you see so many naked people that you don't, you're so desensitized. Do you have sex at Burning so Man? Not naked. you, not you, but do people have sex at Burning Man, or is this is it is just a, just an event to do that type of stuff? Yeah, they, I mean that's there's options. So Burning Man is a catch-all for everybody on the fringes of society who isn't accepted. So there's a lot of kink, BDSM, poly, everything everywhere. But there's also a children's section of Burning Man. No, it's not. Are you kidding me? No. Wow. There was a kid in my camp and she was around all of us naked. That's and she was awesome. So let me ask you a question. You said something a few seconds ago. You said that you feel like you're in Burning Man's for people who are on the outskirts. Do you think you're in the outskirts of the of the of normal people or wherever you want wherever? You think you're in the outskirts of people? Um I grew up in a Christian cult, so I would say I never felt like I belonged there, and I never felt like I belonged in the U.S. until I found Burning Man. Yo, that you just keep saying stuff like it's casual. You said you were in a Christian cult. Yeah. What, what does that mean, Cobra? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I grew up in Colorado Springs, and I don't know if people are from here. They probably know if they're from here. But there's um, a mega church called New Life and a political organization called Focus on the Family. And they kind of run the politics down there. Um, they have like a sister church in Missouri, and it's kind of the beginning of the Bible Belt of everything. Mm. So I grew up pretty sheltered. Um, and. I'm definitely crazy in my family's eyes, for sure. They don't know that I am a stripper, but <laughs> they, um, they, they know a problem that I go to Burning Man. They know that I do nude modeling. They know that I make lingerie. They know that I'm, I travel and that I'm weird. <laughs> would they not accept you if they found out you were one? They would probably freak out, yeah interesting like yeah i love how you're just talking right and you're throwing this random stuff out like first of all time out let's just for the audience 
this isn't scripted. Like, I had no clue about most of the shit she's talking about right now. I'm, this is all, like, new to me as well. So, like, just so you guys know, this is, like, unscripted. <laughs> this is her just talking and me being, like, if this was audio right now, which you asked me earlier, and this is part of the reason I don't do audio is because I don't ha- have a good poker face at all. So if we were doing audio, I'd be like, what the fuck is... Like, I, I, I literally, like, looked around, like, in my room, like, she just said that. Like, rant so casual. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, yeah, let's get that out the way. Um... Wrapping it up here, though, I've, I have a couple more questions. Just two more questions. So, with that being said, how long? How long do you think? Because we all know there's, there's, and this is the kind of thing I was, I, I didn't want to talk about. I didn't want to talk about the negative side of it because we could go about that all day. You and I, like I said, we worked together for about a year now, and we've, we've seen. I guarantee you, in the year that we've worked together, we've seen enough for ten lifetimes of stories. And then we have our own experiences when we didn't work together. How, how much longer do you think? Do you want to be in this industry and you can be in this industry? Because you said earlier, your body doesn't move the same. So do you, mm-hmm. do you have a time limit of when you want to get out? Yeah, I think it's good to have a time limit. All of the um, the dancers that I connect with that are there um, that I know are sober at work. They have goals. They're trying to reach financial security. And they're using this to start businesses, to do epic things with their life. Right. So the ones that I'm interested in spending time with are the ones who have goals and none of us can do this forever. I mean, age is a thing. Um, you get injured a lot. Um, my feet, I can't feel any of the nerves in any of my toes. And that happened in India. And, um, I swore I would never wear high heels again. And now I'm back in the (laughs) industry. (laughs) And um, I have arthritis in my knees, so they can't really do anything about it. So I can't do it forever. Um, It was kind of like a backup plan because I enjoy dancing. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being naked. Um, I enjoy my job. There are downsides, but honestly, I do really enjoy doing what I do. Um, And I mean financial goals starting my business i i couldn't go to india um i was supposed to be there and then COVID happened so i decided mm. to dance instead um so getting everything like set up and ready to go to india when i can is the goal um yeah this is this is something that you can't really do forever right right and you know what's crazy? Because I had this conversation with another bouncer I used to work with. He uh, he was there before you came along. Uh, <clears throat> he ended up getting fired. Uh, we were defending some 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 coworkers, and he went a little excessive. But in my opinion, um, obviously, I'm not running a publicly traded company. There's a lot more risk when you're doing that. A lot more people are just gonna throw on lawsuits. So yeah, he did go over a little. I went above and beyond. I got suspended for it. Um, but he, he got fired for going a little above and beyond in a face planting the guy in the concrete. Um, but he we, we had a conversation, a really deep conversation that was really weird a few months ago. He was texting me and he said something key. He was like, yeah, if I stay in this industry, I'm not going to have anything to leave my kids. You can't do this forever. It's just not healthy. You're not around a lot of healthy people. And something mm-hmm. you just said right there was the people you hang around. And I could actually vouch for that because... I remember when I got into a conversation with one of the dancers and she said how she wanted to connect with you. And I was like, well, yeah, that's cool. But 
you do know, like, even if she does do stuff in her personal life, I don't think she does it here. I just, I was like, I don't know, I don't know her that well. At the time, I, I didn't know you at all. I was like, I don't know her well at all, but I just don't get the vibe. She wants to party here. She wants to work here. And you, just in this particular dancer, I'll tell you her name off air. Um, she was like, well, I wouldn't just do that. You know, so you think I'm going to bring someone down? I said, yes, I do. I actually think you would. Um, <laughs> so um, she, she didn't like that response. But no, I, I don't think a man or woman are meant to be in this industry for a long time. And when I say that, I, I know full well, I work with some people who are in their 40s and 50s. But even then, when you, yeah. when, when you sit down and talk to them, they're, they feel stuck now. Like, yeah. some, like some of the DJs we work with, like they say, hey, I've gone to be a DJ at Buffalo Wild Wings. But because a parent, crazy story, a parent saw um, this guy DJing at Buffalo Wild Wings and said, hey, I don't want him here because he was at the strip club. Well, you were at the strip club too. That's how you know he was here. And, and and it was just crazy. He didn't get fired, but they said, hey, let's cool it down for a month. And they, they, brought the, they brought him back, but that's a month's worth of income he then had to go back to the strip club to get. You know, yeah. and it's it kind of this 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 industry can kind of trap you if you allow it, it to. So you can get lost very fast. I think I've seen a lot of. Um, I have too. Yeah. Older strippers too. There are ones that I know really well in like Portland and L.A. that have made it work for a long time, but um, there are ones also who aren't focused on their goals and they get stuck in drugs and partying and. Then they they wake up one day and they're like 35 and they're like, I can't do this anymore, but I have no backup plan. Mm. And think about how crazy that is. That makes you sound like a, and it goes to my first story that I told you about when we first started. It was you're a mini rock star, like you are a football player, but then you realize you're 35. A lot of the millions you made is gone. Like I knew this one dancer, crazy thing she had made. And I, and she, she wasn't the only one telling me this. I actually was told this story by our former regional manager before he quit. Uh, he told me this dancer, like, in the 80s and 90s, make millions of dollars. Millions. Oh, my God. Uh, guys would literally, like, this one dude was so in love with her. This billionaire was so in love with her. He, every year, January 1st, every single year, he would have a car dropped off brand new for this woman. Wow. She just used to, she just used to uh, trade the car in, you know, and, 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 and would do whatever with the money, whatever. He said the only reason she got away with the pitfalls is because she actually had a she knew she was living fast but she did something really smart before she actually had her downturn she actually gave like three or four million to a good friend of hers and said hey whatever you do do not let me ever touch this money and the friend didn't the friend waited for her to get sober and i think he said she got sober in like 2010 2011 and then the friend said all right now you're ready for your money but she was broke in rehab but he was like, dude, I guarantee you she made upwards of $30, $40 million. I was like, how is that possible? He was like, dude, she's been stripping wow. since she was 15 years old. I was like, God dang. Yeah. I think I, I partied when I was younger in India doing this. But um, now that I came back to it, I've got I've got things to do with my life. Right. I, I don't want to be asleep all day, all the time. <laughs> No, and and that's that that's a great point. It, it this this industry can also drain you because people don't see it from our side. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you a quick story before we go, and I'm gonna get your social media and stuff if you, if you want people to follow you. Um, mm-hmm. I was uh, one of our mutual friends. You told me the funny story about her before we went on air. She calls me up uh, last Friday, and she's like, "Hey, 
my sister's in town. I want us to hang out. I'll say, all right, what are we doing? I want to go to a strip club. I said, I'm not, I said, my exact words were, bitch, I'm not leaving a strip club to go to a strip club. I was like, no. So I hung up, so, <laughs> so, so I hung up on her, right? And so she, so she called me back. She's like, you think you're too good? Cause we don't work together now. I kept hanging up on her, right? Cause now I, I just don't want to hear shit. So, <laughs> so she's like calling me back and says, you hang up on me again. I'm gonna come to your house. Now we both know. I know her. I know I know her better than you, but I think you can agree that she's crazy. She would actually come to my place. So yeah. I was like, "All right, look here. What do you want?" I said, "I'm not going to a strip club." She said, "No, please. My sister wants to go." And we, and in fairness to her, we haven't seen each other in like a month. So I was like, "All right, cool." So I went to I went to the strip club. She works at this other strip club, and one of the saddest things came over me when I walked into that strip club. I was like, "Yo, I know I'm ready to get out of this industry, and I am. I'm. Gra- I graduated in six months, um, but I was like." I walked in, I was like, man, this is, this is a good party. And I've, I've never felt any more lonely than I do right now. <laughs> and I still work in one. And it's crazy because like when I'm at work, I guess I'm so focused on it being work. I don't see it as a party in which we should see it as a party. Cause we're technically throwing a party every night. But when I was there, I was like, yo, this is like depressing. And like, I just looked at just, I just, looked, just, looked, just looked around. I was like, man, this is crazy. And and that, that's what this industry can be sometimes. But I do think there's so much good in this industry. It's This industry got me through school and paid for my college. I, I can't say anything more better than, more uh, more good than that, you know? Yeah. So it, it's definitely benefits to it. So That um, body confidence for a lot of these girls, I don't know a stripper who doesn't love like every piece of her body. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no matter what they look like, you get told you're beautiful so many times that you believe it. You start to believe it. That, um, there's so many good things about this industry that people don't focus on when you say you're a stripper. They think all the bad things. Yeah, and and, and I think, because I guess I said one time on the podcast that I worked in strip clubs before, and I guess that's why the, that's why uh, the guy hit me up on the email and asked me to cover the, the show, but um, to cover the movie, but I, I really, like I said, I've seen all that stuff in the industry. I just, me personally, I guess I've been so tunnel vision about everything that like I've learned to let a lot of that go. And as you said earlier, I unfortunately I'm desensitized to most of that stuff. But also growing up, my family with addiction, all that stuff. It's kind of for me. It's always been a part of daily life. So I know it's that side of it. I know it is, but I also know it's good. I also know, as you said, there's a lot of women, believe it or not, that are super gorgeous that have no makeup on and never get told they're gorgeous until they hit that strip club. Mm-hmm. And that's, and to me, that's freaking crazy. I, I actually had, don't believe it until they, they, they don't hear it enough. And then you start believing it after a certain point. You're like, okay, do you think they do? do and you th- then you feel like you can do anything. Do you think most of them do believe after a while? I would hope so. I think that's the impact of Burning Man too, is most people there get told that they're they're worthy, they're loved, they're amazing. When you're surrounded by people who are lifting you up constantly, mm. then you start to believe it, I think. No, I, I, I've never thought of it from there. You've, I, this, this conversation got way deeper than I expected it to. I was expecting it to be like a 30-minute conversation. Yeah, we worked in strip clubs. Yay, party, party. And then, then we moved on. This conversation got so freaking deep, I was not expecting it. So anyways, um, <laughs> I really wasn't, which is a good thing. It's a fun thing. I don't do many interviews for my show because my last podcast turned into an interview show, and I just didn't want that to be a thing. And for some reason, people actually like to hear my voice, um, which is uh. But um, 
teach his own. But yeah, uh, no. Anyways, so I know you. I know you're gonna go to work tonight. So do you want to give your socials away? Because I'm. I was gonna use your gimmick name and not your real name. I don't know how you want to do this. So you let me know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't have my real name on my social either. Okay. Um, cool. But I mostly just do Instagram right now, um, and it is Katty K A T Y K A T Y. So Katty Katty underscore Boom Boom. Okay, so I will put that in the description as well, and cool. you guys could to give her a follow. Obviously, she is very cultured. Like once again, I, and if, whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. I promise you, I knew nothing about 90% of the stuff we talked about. <laughs> and so, like, this was all her. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Um, it yeah, is... thanks for having me. Oh, no worries. This was uh, this was fun. This was really fun. So, that was a show. We are out for this week, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>